Uh, happy Father's Day. Wow, man, it's so quiet in here. Okay, let's go with something different then. Forget Father's Day. All right, anybody seen the movie The Equalizer? Anybody seen the movie The Equalizer? Equalizer? Okay, couple, couple. You know what that movie's about? It's, it's about, so Denzel Washington's in the movie. And he's a former Marine, former like, CIA operative or something like that. And his wife dies, so he decides to fake his own death because he just wants out. He wants out. And he's living in Boston, and he's working at a hardware store, and he just wants a quiet life. That's all he wants. wants a quiet life. And, uh, Oh, man, I love it. He's a minimalist. And it just makes me feel good to see. Like, he has one dish. He's got one fork. He's got one spoon, one knife, one cup. After every meal he washes, he puts it away. I'm like, man, that's the way to live, man. So everything's perfect. He's just living his life. He's reading his books. It's awesome. It's awesome. And he can't sleep at night, so he goes into this diner. And there's a young woman who's being abused. Uh, she's being pimped out by this Russian gang. And she gets beat up. And here's the thing. He can't help himself. Like, he loves his, his life. He wants a quiet life. Can't help it. He sees this injustice, and he knows if he jumps in, he knows what he's going to do. He knows it's going to change everything. He knows it's going to upset, you know, the life that he wanted to live for the rest of his days. He's going to have to sacrifice that in the name of justice, but he just can't help himself. And you know what? Denzel Washington reminds me a lot of Moses. Because Moses, see, Moses is living in the palace of the world's longest superpower, Egypt. And he's there as a prince of Egypt. And one day he's out and he sees this Egyptian taskmaster just beating this slave, just beating a slave. And it says that he looks this way, he looks that way. And I always used to think he's looking to see if anybody's around, but he's on a construction site and there's usually a lot of people at a construction site. So I think what he's probably doing, he's looking around wondering, is anybody going to do anything about this? Because he knows if he does something about it, it's going to change his life forever. And it does, but he can't help himself. He can't help himself. So he does. And he puts an end to the abuse. And then he has to run into the middle of a desert. Has to go out in the middle of nowhere. And he arrives, the new kid on the block, right? So he's the new kid on the block. He just want to like, you want everything to be cool, right? Because you're the new guy on the block. And what does he see? A bunch of shepherds are abusing a bunch of women, a bunch of shepherdesses. And he can't help himself. He's like the equalizer. He can't help himself. He's got to do something. So in the name of justice, he stands up. 40 years pass. He's happy. He's in the middle of the desert. He's not in the palace anymore. He's gotten used to his life. He just wants a quiet life, just like Denzel Washington wants a quiet life. And then God shows up, and there's this burning bush. And God shows up and says, hey, I need you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Like, this slavery thing can't, can't last. And Moses is like, oh, my gosh, you know, I just want a quiet life here. And, you know, can, he's like, God's, nope. You can't. You got to go. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about Moses. Moses says yes, because he can't help himself. These are defining moments in the life of Moses. His stand against injustice, willing to put his own life on the line for the betterment of others, even though his life is going to be negatively affected as a result. He's willing to do so. And he does. Now, the biggest defining moment of all. All the people are let go. He's on top of a mountain and he's praying, he's talking to God and he finds out, hey, the people down below, like they're worshiping this golden calf. What's the golden calf represent? Represents money, sex, and power. They're bowing down to money, sex, and power. And God's like, look, I am done. I am done with these people. I'm just going to start over with you. You're going to be like, you're going to be the guy. You're going to be the guy. And Moses stands up to, Moses stands up to God. He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You, you, you can't do that. No, no, you won't do that. If you do that, just blot my name out. He is willing to be that self 
sacrificing. Those are four major defining moments in the life of Moses. Every time he's willing to stand up for justice, make a stand against injustice, and put his own life on the line in the process. Denzel Washington and Moses seem to have a connection there. Now, there's one other person we want to talk about today. His name is Jesus. He's most famous for being self-sacrificial. And I want to read you because he goes up on a mountain. Moses goes, famously goes up on a mountain. Moses famously goes up on a mountain. He comes down and he calls the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus famously goes up on the mountain, getting ready to read it to you. And he famously comes down and calls 12 disciples. Obvious connection, right? Let's read it. It's what it says. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. Simon, who he named Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas. Now, did you notice something about that? Those 12 names? Did you notice something about that? You know, they're, I don't know if you caught it, but I did. They're all men. And I was talking to somebody earlier this week, you know, hey, they're all men. And they're like, yeah, you should just like, don't even mention that. Just act like nobody will recognize it <laughs> and just keep skipping right around. I feel like we, we can't ignore it. I feel like it's a big deal. So if you'll be patient with me this morning, I, I want to try to make sense of that if, if I can. All right. The Equalizer was one of Denzel's biggest movies, had a great impact. The five books of Moses that he writes changed the world. Fact. Just changed the world. They made a great impact. Jesus Christ is the most influential leader that has ever walked this planet. Fact. Two billion followers. He wins. Okay? Why? Why does he make such a great impact? And what, what does the equalizer, Moses, and Jesus all have in common? You know what the most famous type of leadership style is? You know what the most powerful type of leadership style is? You know what it is? Anybody? This is audience participation time. Anybody know what the famous, most powerful type of leadership is? Servant leader. You guys are so much smarter in the first service. It was crickets in the first service. Thank you. Either that or you had a bunch of coffee and you're all awake now. A servant leader is the greatest type of leader there has ever been. Now, I want to say something. Why are they all men? And I want to state something that's really, really obvious here, okay? In the scriptures, here's what we know it can't be. Because in the scriptures, women are elevated to most honored status. Theologians call it the crown of creation. What does that mean? It means that the woman is made last, okay? So um, I call it last made, best made. But theologians call it the crown of creation. Like when the woman was created, God says, okay, everything's perfect now. Okay, we're done. The man is made out of dirt. I don't know if you know any men that are made out of dirt, but the man's made out of dirt and the woman's made out of refined humanity. There are so many things in the scripture that point to this most honored status of women. So here's what we do know. Here's what we absolutely know. It can't mean demeaning or devaluing a woman. It can't mean that because that would be radically inconsistent with the message of the Bible from start to finish. And that's all I'm going to say about that, but... It's really, really clear. If anybody has questions, please come and ask me questions afterwards. But that's what's really, really clear. Now, is there a difference between men and women? Is there a difference? Car insurance companies seem to think there is. 
If you have ever tried to get car insurance for a teenage boy and a teenage girl, you are going to notice a big bottom line difference. Has anybody experienced that? Because I have, okay? I have big time. There's a big difference, okay? They charge more for the guy than they do for the girl. So car insurance companies sure think that there is a big difference. I want to say this. If you were to go back and you read Genesis chapter 2, there's this very interesting thing that happens there. If you just read it slowly and read it carefully, we're told that God makes Adam right out of the dirt of the ground, breathes into him the breath of life, and then God talks to him about this tree. God says every tree is your, every, 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 every tree, every, the whole thing. It's not this one tree. Now, this is very important. This is very, you know why? You know why this is important? Because boundaries are important. Boundaries are important. You gotta have boundaries. Like, there's no healthy relationship in the world that does not have boundaries. Period. End of story. You gotta have a, you can't just do your own thing. Right? So God is trying to train Adam. You can't do your own thing. And then God says this, right after he tells him about the tree, he says, he's gonna need a helper. And then this is where we talk about Eve. So there's two things that are clear here. First of all, if you feel like the word helper is demeaning to women, I just want to remind you, it's been said a million times, that God also, same name in Hebrew, calls himself a helper. So if you're a woman and you think it's bad or something like that and you have a problem being equated to God, okay, take that up with God, okay, in some way. Also, what is this helper thing? It must have something to do with the tree. It must have something to do with the fact that man wants more more, more. And somehow the woman is supposed to help him to curb and to limit him with this pursuit of more. Now, is that consistent throughout biblical history and church history? I want to tell you a couple of things. First of all, just say this. Women want more. It's just that men want more, more. Okay. Here's a key difference from the world of neuroscience about your brain, about a male brain and about a female brain. A male brain is into things. And even when we come across other human beings, we have a stronger sense, a tendency to objectify that human being because we are really into things. A woman's brain, this is the key difference between the brain, is a woman's brain is more into people, more into relationships, more into being personal with that person. Very, very key difference. Let me give you a couple other things that go on. Key difference. A man is five times more aggressive than a woman. I'm not talking about, we've oh, we've trained them. We've cult- we cultured them to be. No, no. At 17 months of age, when a little baby boy, 17 months old, and a little baby girl, 17 months old, five times more, more aggressive. Men are more violent. Uh, they want more. They're a lot more. They're more abusive. They're more prone to risk. They want more money. They want more power. They want more toys. They want more substances. Aren't you glad you came to church today? They want more. They they want more sex. There is more money that flows through the sex trade than drugs and guns combined. And across the world, it's almost entirely men who pay for it. Biblical history. Okay, I don't know what you said, but well, whatever. Okay. Biblical history and world history is a continual drumbeat for more, more, more. Men struggle with contentment, self-control, we're angrier, we're more impulsive, and we are definitely more alone. If men could rein in their lust for more, if they could rein in their anger and their impulsivity, if they could rein in their pursuit of money, sex, and power, the golden calf, our world clearly, hands down, straight to the point, would be a much better place. Now... If you don't believe that, does anybody know who Jimi Hendrix is? Any Jimi Hendrix? Is anybody old enough to know the great Jimi Hendrix? Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Let's go to the screen. Jimi Hendrix. When the power of love overcomes 
the love of power, the world will know peace. That's pretty good for a rocker. Pretty good. That is saying the same thing that we're talking about here today. How does that happen? Now, all those things I just said, at the very same time, with all of that love for more and more and more, check this out. At the very same time, men have a burning desire and are greatly inspired by characters like Denzel Washington and The Equalizer. Very much so. What kind of person was Denzel Washington in The Equalizer? He was a selfless servant leader who stood up against injustice. You know what, everybody? The, the contrast is so amazing. It's almost as if the Bible is true. It's almost as if the Bible is true. Because 3,000 years ago, before we had the neuroscience and before we had all these studies and data, you know what the Bible talks consistently about? Is that men are conflicted. There's the kind of like the dirt on one side from Genesis chapter 2 and the breath of God on the other side. The soul, the essence that God blew into us and said this. Paul says it's so great in Romans chapter 7. There's things that I want to do and I don't do them. And a bunch of stuff that I don't want to do and I do those all the time. It's showing this great conflict. That is what today is about. It's a great conflict between the two. How do we solve this problem? Every guy I know, somewhere inside of him, he wants to be a great man of character. Every guy I know. Wants to be a great man of character. Some of us have lacked examples. Some of us have lacked instruction on how. Some of us have been overrun by the desire for more that we just can't seem to rein in. But we all want to be that guy in all the best ways. A man of great character who serves the well-being of others. That's why this is one of Denzel's biggest movies. Because it greatly inspires men. A man of great character stands against injustice. A man of great character who reigns in destructive desires for more so that God's peace can be a part of this planet. So what is tomorrow? Juneteenth. Juneteenth. You know, it took people. Who said, you know, we're going to swim against the culture. We're going to swim against all that flow and we're going to stand up for justice. And it was really hard to do. We look back now. We look back at figures. If you've never read about the life of Frederick Douglass, please do. Please do. It's, it's, it's an incredible story, but there's so many incredible stories. But it was people who said, I will swim against the flow. I will do something when people say, you're not great, you're not, you're great. They do these things as servant leaders standing against injustice, like Denzel, like Moses, and like Jesus, to do this to achieve real, genuine greatness. Real. And I've said this before, so you're probably tired of hearing it. But every great humanitarian movement, like the abolition movement, like the civil rights, like South Africa, are all rooted and based in the teachings of Jesus Christ. We're in a series called Just Jesus. We're going to laser focus on just what, right straight at it. We're going to hit it right on about what is Jesus leading us to. I got three things I want to say, and I just want you to be patient with me on the first one, okay? Men need greatness. Now, wait a minute. Don't leave. Okay, many girls like John. Do you know what city you're in? Okay, I know what city I'm. I've lived in this city my entire life. Can you give me twelve minutes to unpack this? Okay, just twelve. That's all. That's all you need. And then, if you still want to send me the email, no. Better yet, you could just meet me down front afterwards and ask me all your questions. Okay, men need greatness. The story of the world and the storyline of the Bible is the same. Men are searching for greatness. In the opening chapters of the Bible, you have story after story after story of great men seeking great things and failing. 
great men seeking great things and failing and blowing apart their life, the lives of those around them, and the world in the process. It's a, it's a flood of wickedness because great men don't know how to see greatness the right way. Do not raise your hand. Does anybody here know a man who sought greatness in his own way and blew up the lives all around him? Don't raise your hand. I do. And it's really, really painful. And then all of a sudden you get Abraham. So after all these men, man after man after man, seeking to do this and being frustrated, not being able to find it, all of a sudden we're introduced to the verses in the Bible that changed the world. And I don't say that lightly, everybody. Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses, changed the world. Every Jew, Christian, and Muslim calls Abraham the father of their faith. That's more than 4 billion people on this planet. And it started right here. And how did God grab Abraham's attention? Check it out. Now the Lord God said, go from your country and for your kindred and for your father's house to the land that I will show you. First of all, let's just stop right there. God is saying, I need you to do something new. I need you to do something different. I don't need you to keep following the ways that it was in the house you grew up. I need you to move out, okay? Thank goodness I didn't follow some of the ways in my family history because it would not be pretty if I did. God is saying the same thing to Abraham. He said, I need you to do something new. Now, look what he says next, verse number two. I'm gonna make you into what? What kind of nation, everybody? What does it say? I'm gonna make you what? Great. God knows his audience. He knows how to grab a man's attention. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make your what great? Your name great. He's got Abraham's. He's like, oh, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm in. That's what I want. So that what? So God tells him right here so that you'll be a blessing. So immediately God says, okay, I'm introducing you to a program. See, God has a greatness program. And what he's saying to Abraham, I want to enroll you in my greatness program. And that is to be a servant leader. You've got a lot to learn. I'm going to teach you how to rein in your need for more. I'm going to teach you how to rein in those desires, that lust and that greed. Because men find themselves on a path of self-service and that's a dead end. And we see that over and over again that Abraham is willing to sacrifice his wife twice for his best interest. He's willing to sacrifice his wife's maidservant, Hagar, for his best interest. He's willing to sacrifice Hagar's son, his son, for his best interest. And God says, we've got a lot of work to do. And God goes to work on him. He's going to rein all of that in. He's going to rein in that. I want to teach you. I want to teach you. Now, this is something that's fascinating. There's four biographies of Jesus in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are filled with the disciples asking the same question over and over and over again. It's fascinating. They keep saying, Jesus, we want to be great. And what is so strange about this? I mean, when you and I read that, we're like, what is wrong with these guys? I mean, why would they do that? They are so, they're so arrogant. They're so selfish. But that's not what's happening at all. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them for their desire. He just redirects them. We want to be great. Now, what do you think they're really doing? Listen, this goes back to how the Bible works, everybody. This helps me a lot. I hope it helps you. Anybody ever heard of the internet? Internet? Anybody heard of that? Okay. So 3,000 years ago, before we invented the, uh, the internet, God, in- God invented the internet. It's called the Bible. The Bible's filled with hyperlinks. Okay, so when you read them repeatedly saying, we want to be great, you are constantly hyperlinking back to Genesis chapter 12. They're not asking, like, hey, we're just so arrogant, we're so stupid, we're going to be so dumb to ask you, we want to be great. That's not what's going on. They're saying, God, we know you have a greatness program. We want to be enrolled in the same program that Abraham got enrolled in. We want that greatness. Will you allow us? See, God has a greatness program, and Jesus Christ is the CEO of it. 
he runs it and he helps a man find true greatness. Now check this out. In Matthew chapter 18, they asked Jesus about the greatness program and chapter 19 and in chapter 20, back to back to back. We want to be great. We want to be great. We want to be great. And then, wait a minute, Mark 10, Luke 9, Luke 22, John 13, over and over and over again, men are asking for this. We want to be great. Now, I want to ask a question to all the men, and this is super important. Has anybody ever looked you in the eye and said to you, I need you to know that God has created and called you to be a great man? Has anybody ever done that? All men want to hear that. It happens so seldom. Grace Community Church, we do not want to make that failure. Uh, I said earlier, I got nixed on saying this, but I'll say it in a a toned down way. I, I think it's a sin. For somebody who truly knows the Bible, knows the story, is a follower of Jesus. Not to make sure that every man around them knows that God has created and called them to greatness. It's really important. Have you ever had a man that's done that? And when you forget it, when you forget it, do you have a man in your life who reminds you of that? God knew how to grab Abraham's attention. We're going to have an opportunity for this at the end of the service. So here's the first point. Here's the fourth point. There's three of them. You got to have all three in place. Here's the first point. Men need greatness. Now here's the second one. Very important. It's the second leg of the three-legged stool. Men need a great plan. Okay, that's great. Okay, greatness. Ah, but how? How? How does this happen? How does this happen? Well, this is where it gets really good. Let me look at one of the passages here with you, Luke 22, where they're asking Jesus about greatness. Look what happens. Then they began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it is going to be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. Not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Men Wanting greatness and pursuing greatness, but not understanding how to truly fulfill that desire that we have to become great, going about it in all the wrong ways is only going to frustrate us. So God gives us the plan. He gives us the program and it's right here. This is how we do it. Last week, I mentioned a book called Power Paradox. It's a great book written by a psychologist out of Stanford. And he goes back through the history of power. He really dissects it. It's fast. I highly encourage you to read the book, Power Paradox. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. This is what he says about power. Everybody's got to have power. You've got to have power. If you don't have power, you'll live an unhealthy life. If you don't have power, you live an unbalanced life. If you don't have power, you'll be discontent. All you've got to have power. You've got to have power. But then he hits you with a kicker. He goes back, back through history and says, here's what true power is. True power is, is when somebody is using their power to change the world. True power is, he sums it up, is when you are a servant leader to others. Ah, that's Jesus. Jesus is the CEO of that program. And that's how a man can find the power he's looking for. Guys, we would just be so frustrated and empty, trying to find something and wondering why we're still so discontent. We can get the things that the world has for us and like, why am I still so frustrated? Jesus introduces us to the program that actually works. 
God has a greatness program and Jesus Christ is the CEO. You are, you and I are what we worship. If Jesus is our rock star, if he is our rock star, if he is our superstar, our celebrity, whatever you lift up to the highest, you become like that. And when you look at Christ and how he reigns in all the things that mess our lives and the world up, and you look how he excels in patience and service and kindness. You think about this, everybody. Okay, uh, Denzel Washington equalizer. So what's he famous for? In the opening scene, he protects this one young woman. She's, she's been beaten. Um, 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 she's, she's being abused by all kinds of men, lots of men in her, okay? And he comes and steps in and protects her. Okay, let's go to Jesus, John chapter 8. Jesus is presented with a woman who is being abused, thrown at his feet, surrounded by men wanting to abuse her more. And what does he do? He stops them. He stops them because that's what a great man does on a great plan. You stop that. You stand against that. That's how we find the fulfillment that we are genuinely looking for. That's how it happens. Jesus is famous for reigning in his own self-interest to be selfless to other people. Now, Abraham learned this. But it took a lot of years for him to learn this. Now, everybody, when, when, when I got married, I thought I was just getting married. I thought, I, was just, I thought that's all it was. I was just getting married. What I didn't realize is I was being enrolled in a greatness program. It seems that Krista is aware of... I was unaware that God had a greatness program and Jesus was the CEO. But it seems that Krista knew all about it. She knew all about it. She said, I'm going to enroll you in this program, whether you like it or not, right? I'm going to teach you to be more thoughtful of other people. I'm going to teach you to serve more. I'm going to teach you to reign in more. I'm going to teach you all of those things. There was somebody here at the first service, and they said, uh, uh, the wife, she said, I forgot it was Father's Day. So uh, the first thing I did when I woke up this morning, I told my husband, go clean the toilets. I thought, what a great way to get in Father's Day. He didn't know it, but he's in the greatness program, right? He's enrolled in the greatness program. He's learning to serve. He's learning to rein it in. Men want to serve. We want to be selfless when we battle with that whole thing. Now, God has a greatness program, and Jesus Christ is the CEO. We had a ton of guys sign up last week to be servants. So it's a great. We want to do anything we can here, shameless plug, to help guys to serve right and the seat back is a card you want to become a servant here you want to be in that training program you can sign up had a guy come to me with the card right after the service here you go i want in okay our bottom line and my buddy pat says this all the time he'll be sitting he's sitting right over here we want to help men become the best version of themselves here's the last point men need men men need men now this is just a this is just a fact it's the studies are overwhelming with this over and over again. Men need men. Women need women. Men need men. Women need... My wife has been telling me that for years. Women need women. I finally, like, oh, okay. After I read so many studies, I finally believe her. And I finally got with the program. Okay? We are just impacted. The Bible says this way. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. You look, you look at this guy, Samson, okay? In the Bible. You can read about him. He's in the book of Judges, like midway right through in the book of Judges. Fascinating. This dude, y'all know what a goat is, right? Y'all know the goat, the goat? The first service, nobody knew Jack. <laughs> Does everybody know what the goat is? Are, are, we, are we on the same page? Okay, right. greatest of all time. All right, so that's Samson. He's the goatiest goat that ever walked the face of the planet, right? This dude is a stud athlete. 
He is off the charts. He fancies himself as a philosopher. He likes to tell those little riddles. So he's super, super athlete and likes to be you know, smart and all this kind of stuff. But his lust level for money, sex, and power, off charts, off the charts. Okay, Here's something else. He didn't have anybody in his life. Like he's supposed to be leading Israel, but nobody's following. Like his whole life, he's doing nothing. There's nobody around. Has no friends whatsoever. Has anybody used the Alexa, the Alexa thing? Anybody? Okay. Uh, so there's a couple of you that do. I, uh, I didn't like the Alexa situation. Krista got it. She's like, hey, you know, listen. And then she just uses that thing as a personal assistant. Like, hey, Alexa, what's the temperature outside? Hey, Alexa, set me a timer. Hey, Alexa, what's the definition of this word? Hey, Alexa, what about this? Hey, about that? And I just resisted, resisted. And then finally, I just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, she just, she overwhelmed me with a hey, Alexa. So now I got into it and I'm saying, hey, Alexa, hey, Alexa, what, t- what time is it right now? So I don't have to look at my, what time? I ask Alexa for everything, like my own personal assistant. It's crazy. And then the other day, I'm out in the front yard and I'm so used to saying Alexa. I had this thought in my mind. I said, hey, Alexa. I mean, I'm glad no neighbors were out there. Like, what is he? What is he doing? And there's nobody there. Everybody, that's the way it is in the life of most men. Most men are like Samson. We have all this potential for greatness that is unrealized because nobody's there. The studies are clear. We don't have men. Men need men. They need somebody who will look them in the eye and will tell them or remind them of who they are to encourage them. The Bible says we should encourage each other all the time. And we need, we need that. Now you juxtapose Samson with Daniel. Daniel doesn't have all the gifts and talents that Samson does, but what he does have, he has three really cool friends with three really cool names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because of that, because of that, Daniel becomes a really, really great man. Now, we're going to close this by saying this. What we want to do this morning My buddy Pat's over here. We've been praying about this for a long time. We know that men need men. Our only desire as a church is to give an opportunity for that to happen. You can't force a man to do anything. It never works. Don't try to force a man to do anything. You just want to give the opportunity. That's why Jesus calls and encourages and inspires, okay? That's why he does that. The reality is every single man wants to hear that God has created him and called him to be a great man. Man, seldom do men ever hear that though. So what we simply want to do, I got a bunch of guys. They all have name tags. They're going to be against this wall. We're just, Pat and I are going to gather guys and we're just going to pray. We're just going to be there. That's all. Now, the guys with the name tags on that I've vetted, you know, most of them are older guys. So they've been there, done that. They understand what life is really all about. They understand the struggles. Uh, And if you want to get paired up with a guy to like give you a text once or twice a week, just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, man, I just want to remind you, God's called you and created you for greatness. Give you a scripture text, something like that. Well, that's your, we just want to make that opportunity available. You don't have to do it. And then we have a free gift we want to give you. And this gift is a book that actually very, very briefly really does a great job explaining the plan. Now, our prayer wall is open over here for everybody else, okay? But if you're interested, you can join Pat and I right over here because we want to pray because men need men and God has created all men for greatness, but we just have a hard time sticking with the program. And we want to encourage each other to stick with the program. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that there is this greatness program and we can look to you as the CEO to guide us, not to frustration, but to contentment in that. Lord, help us. Bless every single guy here today in Christ's holy name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy the weather.